Hello, hello, again, again, another show with Too Much Church with Jay and Mike. And our first episode was last week. We got into prosperity preachers and people who just freely give their money to these people. But uh, we got an interesting show this week. And uh, Jay, say hello to the people out there. What's going on, people out there? They're waving back at you right now. I see them. They're waving. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, Justin's uh, Jay is going to lead us into the news portion here. He's got an interesting news portion. Then we're going to get into the show after that. But this is an interesting thing he's got. So go ahead, Jay, and read the news for the day. All right. Today's news is Scientology. What the A-list members know. Uh oh. So there's a new lawsuit accusing the. Church of Kidnapping, Abuse, and Human Trafficking. Oh, Lord. Which is no surprise. Right. These are all allegations that have been made before. Right. Um, this lady, actually, that has filed this lawsuit this time is believed to be around the age of 40. Right. And uh, she's been a member since she was a little child. Wow. And uh, she claims that she was working a 16 hours a day as a little child right she was routinely audited which is their process where they question you and teach you not to question them and things like that oh, that's good and uh you know at the age of 10 she claims that she was forced to sit without expression as adults yelled sexually inappropriate comments at her this is church yes 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 oh. And uh, from the time she was 15 until leaving the church in 2017, which that puts her around the age of 40, as we right. said, right. she says that she had to work almost every day right. doing backbreaking labor, and she was paid $15 a week. Right. Now, the reason why this is such a big deal is because of the ties, obviously, with the leader of Scientology to people such as Tom Cruise, John Travolta, his wife, Kelly Preston, Kirstie Alley. And all that, and right. they're all getting accused of kidnapping, stalkings, trafficking, false imprisonment, slander, libel—all these things that go on. Wow! And uh, so, the you know, the gist of it is, what, what's going to happen if all this comes to light and this is true? Right. Uh, because this lady isn't going for a monetary settlement like so many other accusers have done. She's actually uh, wanting the head of Scientology to go under oath and testify on this. Whoa. She wants to bust it down then. She wants trial. Right. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, the Justice Department is looking at it closely and following it. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, one of the things I thought was pretty funny about it is, you know, we have all this, uh, all these Hollywood uh, types are doing the Me Too movement and all right. that. But right. It seems like when it comes to Scientology, it's always been excused. <sighs> this reminds me who was that actor the child actor that was so popular Corey um Corey Feldman he, he tried to come he, tr he did go public matter he, he did go yes. public with the abuse that goes on in Hollywood with these children these actors when they're children and right. and, and, and Jay I know you also know that you know a lot of these kids back in the, the little rascals all of these famous tv stars have all come out claimed later on that they were actually used in abusive sexual situations and stuff like that. So it seems like that this is now even flowing into the religious world also. And what disturbs me is, is all of it, of course, but the sex trafficking, you know, which is such a big topic now, you know, on the news and everything, 
And man, if it comes out that this church actually is involved in any way with this, uh, I think they're scumbags, big time. Absolutely. And one of the saddest parts about it all is, if this is true, these right. celebrities are in the inner circle. Right. And uh, Kirstie Alley, if you're on Twitter, all day long, all she does is tweet about human rights issues and things like that. Right. So if this comes to light, I mean, you know, what level of hypocrite is that? Oh, and, it's, I mean, the, it's, it's the uttermost. It's complete depravity. Right. right. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of all this. Well, and also too, if, if you know, if if it's with these stars, you would have a lot of feminist, uh, a feminist presence there. Where are they at standing for this girl who got yelled at sexual names and stuff like that? Why aren't they not in an uproar coming to her defense at this time? Right. Where were they uh, when Katie Holmes was being followed by people from the church? Really? I say I don't know all that. Oh yeah, when uh, her and Tom Cruise split. She was being followed and everything. So he was, he was well, allegedly uh, using the church to stalk her and everything. Correct. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, the, I, I, if, if this comes up true, I think they should close shop and put them all in jail. But that's just, that's just my opinion, you know, and it doesn't mean anything in a hill of beans. But I'm like that with any, any, any pastor, preacher, rabbi, imam, any kind of spiritual leader that uses their spiritual authority over people in a sexual or even, um, even a uh, slavery mentality that you have to listen to them and stuff. I don't like people who won't let you think outside of a box. That's why I don't get along with many spiritual leaders sometimes. Not that I dislike them, but I just don't like that manipulation. Well, same way here. So. Yeah, well, well, it's obvious. <laughs> it's yeah. obvious. It's obvious. But this leads us into our segue of our show because we were talking about this before. And as you know, there's a big popularity uh, the thing that's rising up right now. And if you're, if you're a Christian or a messianic, you think this is the system of the Antichrist. And if you're a Jew, you really don't know what to do with this movement whatsoever. And if you're just a, a non-Jew who wants to live the Torah, but you can't convert, this is the option that you're giving uh, to live Torah, but not the full stringent of the laws of Kashrut and uh, you know Sabbath and things like that, but yet you still have a part. And it's called the Noahide Laws. And I'm pretty familiar with it because I've been working with rabbis for uh, a few years on this topic and everything. And really, it's a new phenomenon. It's been around forever, but yet since the turn on of the uh, Internet and people being able to have access to everything they need, they're getting distant. Their, their church just isn't the same as it used to be. They're seeing holes in maybe in Scripture they haven't seen before. And instead of running to Judaism, and if you've ever tried to join Orthodox Judaism, it is a job. It ain't just going up to them like a church, signing a card, going to three classes, and you go before the church and join. It is truly a lifestyle change, and you do basically give up your family to join another family, not that you can't have nothing to do with your family no more. But it is, it is not just joining a church. You're actually joining a people, and it's a lot more detailed than what most people can afford to do or want to do, to be honest with you. Right. And it is <clears throat> called the Noahide laws. And, and what's funny is, is right now, if you look in the Hebrew roots movement, you see them coming against these laws saying, this is a setup for the antichrist. And it's to put all the Gentiles under the all the control under the control of the Jews, which by the way, is less than two, uh, 2% of the whole world's population. But yet these two, these two with the, uh, 
Freemasons control everything. If you listen to these people, it, it really gets hilarious after a bit of time. But they are teaching that these are the uh, Antichrist laws and stuff like this, and they're trying to get, like I said, trying to get people under the Jewish authority. But if you're on the other side of the fence, they're saying that this is a place that you can jump into the Torah slowly. You can get your feet wet, and you can start learning uh, the Torah at a slow, slow pace. You want to say anything? Well, this has to be a this has to be a fast moving uh, movement then, because now everybody wants that instant gratification and quick fix. Oh yes, so yes, yes, in yes. Our society that sounds like it would be a perfect fit for somebody. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it, it it is, but the problem is. Is, is a lot of people don't like it because there's certain things as a Noahide you can't do. And real fast, I'm, I'm going to read you the seven Noahide laws so people have a kind of understanding of what we're talking about. And you're going to find out with our show here, we do we cover rain, a lot of things. We don't just cover religion, but these first two shows seem to be what we've been covering. But the seven Noahide laws are do not deny God, do not blaspheme God, do not murder, do not engage in illicit sexual relations, do not steal, do not eat from a live animal, and create legal systems of justice. And that's the one right there that really scares people because they think that you're trying to create courts that if you don't follow what these teach, that you can be beheaded. And that's what's being taught right now. And I guess, I guess in any radical situation, when you look at some of the far right, you know, Israeli uh, views and stuff like that, you could see that could be a very possible uh, scenario, you know. But normative Judaism really doesn't care much to do any of that. They're they're really, if you know anything about Judaism, it's just kind of like leave us alone. We like you. Come to Israel, look at it, but go home. Don't stay, and just leave us alone and let us be Jews. Is is and that's not. I'm not being ugly there. It's pretty much the way it is, but. All of a sudden, since, the, like I said, the rise of the Internet, <clears throat> there's been more than ever more non-Jews trying to get on board of Judaism than ever before. Now, you do have the Messianic religion, Messianic faith, and the Hebrew roots. But after a while, you start realizing that these are no more than um, maybe Christianity with talits and kippahs. Trying to look like Jews is what you're trying to do. But your goal and every, your mission is the same. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm Trust me now, I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I'm just telling you the views of everybody with this. But there's some people that just want more intimate Jewish identity. And like I said, uh, for instance, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Jew on my daddy's side, but halakhically I'm not a Jew. Although they talk to me and they, they know that I have, a, I have Jewish blood, they halakhically cannot consider me a Jew because my mother is not a Jew. So Now let me ask you a question. Yes. For everybody listening, yes. Um, the way I've always looked at it, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the messianic movement and whatnot is more for people that are Jewish that are tinkering with Christianity, right. and the Noahide movement is more for Protestants leaning towards Judaism. Uh, actually, you're right. You're right on both sides. Yeah. And yeah. back in 1960, Jews for Jesus, you've heard of that organization, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Jews for Jesus actually came out with this. They come out of the, a lot of them came out of the Baptist church, and they really wanted an outreach so they could reach Jews. But right. some of them really wanted to live their, Jew, you know, their Jewish identity, you know, in their faith and everything. So this is really where Messianism started was it was a, uh, way to attract Jews and get them into believing Jesus. 
but it was also a way that they could believe in Jesus and continue living their Jewish roots also. So that's right. where the Messianic movement actually started. And I've been a part of the Messianic movement in the past for years, and I had some really good times. I learned a whole lot. Uh, you've got some groups that are basically nothing but church people with uh, Talits, with no Jews. And it's funny, you'll have 50 people in a building, no Jews whatsoever, but they all look like Jews. And they really right. have no understanding of Judaism whatsoever, except what they read online and stuff. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm not knocking that. I give them an A for effort. I think anybody who goes to Messianic or Hebrew roots, you have to give them credit because they're thinking outside of the normative box. They're seeing right. something more. So I don't ever come against anybody who's looking for something more to their face. So I don't, I'm not coming against anybody in this. I don't come against Noahides, Jews, or nothing like that as far as I think everybody's on the journey, and we gotta find that. We got to find our path. But, uh, yeah, you were right. That's exactly right. Messy Jews who want to be Christians but maintain their idea would be the Messianics and Protestants who are leaning more towards Judaism but can't convert would be considered Noahides. Excellent analogy there, Jay. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, there's a, big, there's a big pull both ways right now because, like I said, the Jewish authorities don't know what to do with all these Gentiles because never in the history, 3,600 years, going on 37 maybe, the Jews have not had this many Gentiles wanting to be a part of Israel. And right, they, and see, it's a trend now. It's a trend in Christianity, I see, yeah. that there's a lot of preachers now that are focused on the, you know, scriptural references to God's chosen people. Right. And they're focused on revelation and the return. And right. that all ties into, you know, Judaism. And it's almost like a trend within the church right now that if – you're one of the cool kids. You're doing the Jew thing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think that's why it's one of the fastest growing denominations right now. Right. So. Well, I, th I think you're right. And the thing is, is people are looking at it. And like you said, they're looking at it from a, you know, Jesus coming back. So we need to look at the book of Revelation. And then they start seeing all this Jewish imagery, you know, the seven candlesticks. Uh, mm -hmm. You start hearing all this stuff and it starts referring you to Judaism. So, and, you know, and then you got a lot of people like Pastor Hagee and others, uh, Christian Zionists, who really just want to get this going so they can destroy it and see Jesus come back. You know, let's get everybody killed and, and then he'll come back and it'll be right. cool. It'll be just us and them and nobody else. So you see that side of it also to where uh, most Christians love the Jews so they can save them and see the destruction because they know, according to their belief, that the Jews will be, just, you know, punished for crucifying Jesus, basically. So you see a big scenario of everybody involved in this game. And the Jews really don't mind. In Israel, like I said, if you come over there and you spend your money, just leave. Don't stay. <laughs> they right. don't want you to stay. So the Jews don't mind. As long as you're donating and giving money and supporting Israel, they'll tolerate this. Now, the ultra-right, they're, they're talking about now burning churches in Israel and mosques. Because they believe that before the Mashiach can come the first time for them, uh, they have to destroy all pagan worst places of worship. Now, what's going to happen when that happens? I think you're going to start seeing the, the great support the USA's had for Israel and the Christians. I think you're going to see that starting to waver a little bit. And I can almost see in the future where actually maybe Islam and Christianity will team up, not buddy buddies like Jews and Christians are now. 
but there'll be retaliation. If they start burning churches, there will be some kind of, there'll be some pushback on that. There's no doubt. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think it's good. I think, you know, it's going to be a mix of pushback. And I think that a certain group of individuals will give them even more fervor to go even farther that direction. Oh yeah, I think so too. Well, so, you know, we're, a lot of people have that extremist mentality. That's right, radical. They're going to follow whoever's doing the most radical thing, and that's why you know the Islamic radicals have been so successful in recruitment. Correct. Because it's the same kind of theory of us in the United States as being Fourth of July week with you know the whole independence thing. There was only you know, about 3% of the population that was down with the revolt. Yeah. <laughs> but that is all it took. That is all it took. And right. If you look in, you know, these radical imams, that's all they need. They don't right. need everybody. They just want a little small slice. And I think the same thing will happen with that. Oh, could and, be. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing because people look at radicalism as such a terrible thing, but sometimes it's not. Right. Sometimes radicalism can be a great thing. Right. And, uh, you know, the church has been sitting on its laurels for so long, uh, especially the Christian church, that um, I think, you know, sometimes a little radicalism might stir some things up and people might start paying attention a little more. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all of that. Well, in 1967, there's this guy, he was, a, <laughs> he was an assembly of God. Uh, I don't think he was a pastor, but he was, he was in the church. He went to Israel, and there's 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 two mosques on the Temple Mount. One of them is the big Dome of the Rock that we all know, right. and I forget the name of the other one. It's smaller, but it was older than the Dome of the Rock. Right, and, and the smaller one is the one that they believe uh, certain Christians believe that Muhammad rode a pale horse to. Yes, yes. Because the um, the inscriptions on the outside are saying that Jesus is not uh, God. Right, exactly. And that is what all it says. It's a blasphemous writing all the way around it for Christians. Right. And, uh, you know, that's why they want to control of that part of the Temple Mount because of that little mosque. Absolutely. So, well, the, this Assembly God guy actually filled himself with explosives and was going to go up to the top of this dome and actually blow it up, you know, to get because he felt like if he did that, it would usher in. Jesus would have to come back then and they could build the temple because the mosque would be gone. And I'm really shocked that this has not happened <clears throat> probably more, but I know it's under extreme um, protection right now, Jews and Muslims. I'm really surprised that somebody has not tried this before, to be honest with you. Absolutely. My question is, you know, obviously I wasn't alive during that time. Right. Not to call you out on your age, but <laughs> what was what was his plan? How was he going to get to the top of a dome at a mosque? I mean, I it's don't not know. exactly a set of stairs up there. I don't know. And, and the old mosque isn't as acceptable as accessible as the new one. I can see getting to the new one, but you'd be shot before you did anything. But the old one, it's a little bit more obscured. Maybe he was going to blow it up from the bottom, go in there and just set it off. And, and but he was hoping that as soon as it, fall, it fell, that Jesus would come right then and they would build the temple right then. So I guess he had inside connection or he or just he, didn't read scripture. <laughs> he had his own interpretation. <laughs> that's my problem with all these, you know, prophetic uh, preachers too. Um, you know, that's fine. Whatever you want to study on, you know, as a hobby or whatever, but they right. go out and they preach these end time sermons. Right. And it says right in the scripture that, you know, he's going to come like a thief in the night. Well, it says nobody's going to know. 
Well, nobody's going to know. Right. You're not going to know. So, <laughs> so I spend all your energy on trying to tell people when it's going to happen. And, you know, if you are going to preach that, don't give deadlines. <laughs> because they all have deadlines. And deadlines just expose it. I mean, I mean, there's some preachers out there on TV that, I mean, I've been through 15 deadlines in my lifetime. <laughs> and, I've been through uh, more than that. You know, at certain patches of my life, I've been disappointed when it doesn't come through. <laughs> well, just think about this. This was not even a subject that we would be talking about until the 1970s when a man named Hal Lindsey wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Right. In which he set up the uh, he set the scenario up for all of this. Before this time, you didn't really hear a lot about the rapture, and and you know you, you, you didn't. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't money making, and it wasn't movies, and it wasn't bringing people into the churches because it just wasn't an issue that we talked. They were still talking about you know Billy Graham getting people saved and walking the aisle and filling the right. churches up. Well, after how Lindsay came onto the market and wrote his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, that all changed. Then we got the rapture theology. Then we started getting all these things about looking for the temple to be rebuilt, and all of these things started happening. And then we got, uh, what was that other book series that was so popular that they made like a 12 books, and they made a movie out of it? Tim LaHaye. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I know what you're talking about. It's very popular with teenagers. Left, was it? No, it wasn't Left Behind. It was uh, – Yeah, it was a Left Behind series. Okay, well – that then, made, uh, there was another one too about with you know different ways that they were going to die and be taken yeah the, yeah 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 yeah. so we see that that opened the door for everything that we have today and this is a big topic to get back kind of on subject of the messianic <laughs> movement the whole messianic movement is based upon end time because they believe this is the end time revival and right. we're gonna get all the once all the jews get saved it's going to happen. Same thing like blowing up the temple. Same thing. There's got to be a key element. We've got to get the Jews saved so Jesus can come back. Right. So, where the Noahides don't have that, correct? It's more of we're going to follow these rules and just live for God. Correct? Exactly. The Noahide is not a religion. Uh, matter of fact, it's, it, it, it's commanded in uh, uh, rabbinic literature that you're not allowed to start a new religion. So this is right. where people say that you know Islam is a Noahide religion because they don't believe Jesus is God. But yet, at the same time, they have created a new religion. So mm -hmm. that kind of violates that. And Christians who don't believe Jesus is God, they really have a closer relationship to Noahides than Muslims do. Because a Muslim is going to take Muhammad's words over anything. You know what I mean? They, they right. believe, you know, so right there, it voids that. But yeah, Noahide is not a religion. It's just a way of life. And basically, all it is is, is, is it's getting us back to the basics of where we treat human beings like human beings and we help people. We love people, but we don't do it because we feel we want to go to heaven. We do it because we, we love God. And we want to fix the world that we're in. That's the same job that you're supposed to do too. But uh, they've got, you know, with thousands of years of persecution and people trying to murder them right. and stuff, they've got a little hard with the world. And it's just now that we're seeing them open up again to the world, which is going to bite them in the butt. Probably. I hope it don't. But every time they open up and start helping people, it seems like this uh, Hitler rises up or something always seems to happen when they do this. But, uh, yeah, Noahide's not a religion. It's just the lifestyle and the seven laws. Are the key. But within those seven laws, there's like 66 uh, actually underlying tones to these. It ain't just seven. It's like the Ten Commandments. You look at Ten Commandments, you say, that's just ten. But there's actually 613 positive and neg negative commandments attached to the ten. 
and then right. and in the seven there's like 66 but the difference is jay is as a noahide if you want to eat pork it's not a violation if you work right. on saturday it's not a violation right. the, you know the main thing is is you don't want to eat uh you can't eat you can't even eat anything alive so if you go to japan and they eat those fish that are still moving they put them on the table and stuff you really shouldn't do that because it's, they're still alive. There's a lot, of, you know, a lot of things about cruelty to animals that you don't want to do, and theft is a major thing. With which in our business would be a major flaw for a lot of people, because uh, uh, theft is a no-no. And that's not just theft of money or just theft. It's it's a theft of identity. Uh, if I pay somebody, if, like you know, somebody who works for me, if I don't pay them the right amount or I try to cheat them, that's a violation of that also. So it's a lot deeper right. than just People say seven laws. That ain't nothing. Well, it's a lot deeper than the seven. Once you start learning them, it really encompasses your, your your whole lifestyle. Just like a Christian, you know, just it's not just about believing in Jesus. I mean, I mean, you yeah, come on, and that's what it's become. But when you study the Orthodox Church, even some Catholic, you realize that this religion takes your whole lifestyle. It takes you know, you start learning to pray at different times, especially the Orthodox. If you get into Orthodox that whole deal is built within prayer. I mean, it's, you go through fasting of not eating certain things during the year, no bread, no, it, it, it's not just a religion that becomes a lifestyle. And that's, that's one thing that did drive me, drive me to Orthodox when I was studying it was, it wasn't just get people saved, pray, and, and everything's good. No, it, it took over your life. And that's the way Noahide Judaism is and Orthodox Christianity also. Right. Yeah, Orthodox Christianity is definitely that way. Oh, yes, it is. And really, I think that's a lot of things that kind of may have discouraged me, which I still love them a lot, but it kind of discouraged me too because it was so much that me coming from Alabama, from the South Baptist Pentecostal, it was a shock system to me because I don't know that in my lifestyle that I live, the way I work, getting up so early in the morning, that I could actually fulfill those law, you know, fulfill those prayers right. and everything they do. So I would feel like I'm cheating them or shortchanging them by not being able to do the things I need to do. That's my problem also, because when you look at Greek Orthodoxy right, and you start to delve into it, you're like, this is the true unadultered Christianity, right? which is the closest thing to it. I agree. I would but agree. When you start learning about the monks and things like that that live on Mount Athos, right. you begin to feel like, well, if I'm not on the same level as them, right. then what am I really doing? Exactly. Those are the ones that have actually obtained that true Orthodox Christianity lifestyle. Right. And, you know, it just doesn't suffice to think, well, I'm just going to go to service on Sundays because these guys are living it, you know, 24-7. Right. So, you know... Kind of, it's one of those it, things you can't meet the standard. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, I know I couldn't. I, I know, not you to know, feel, not to feel honest about it. Oh, it, it was know, true. Not to feel honest about it. Right. So, well, that's that's why we seek. That's why we're seekers. That's why we're continually looking because we know that there's a web out there that, of truth that we're 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 piecing together. You know, I, I don't think any Absolutely. religion has the uh, monopoly on truth. I think they all have some good parts that we can take and borrow from. But yeah, right. when I got into Orthodox and I started studying, and I was like, "My God, they pray more than Jews do. This is unbelievable!" Yeah. And then when they got they into pray constantly, yeah. Oh yeah, and then they got into uh, Passover. Well, they don't call it Passover; they call it Passover. When they got into that, 
I mean, you didn't eat bread for, I mean, it was like, what? I can't do that. I got, I'm a bread man. I, I got to eat bread, you know? Now I can right. do the seven days of no matzah, but just matzah, but I can't do, you know, the time they did. So, yeah, I think that's the thing that, I think that true religion truly is, no matter what it is, is when it starts taking your life over, not in the form that we're talking about to where it's all prayers, but when you start thinking about it and you just actually start doing it and you're not trying to fake it in front of people to make yourself look holy, I think that's right. the difference there. And, you know, that's the whole thing with this Noahide Judaism, Christianity, all that. I don't care what you are. I just like, I just like to see you live it, you know, not, not t- I don't want to hear your preaching. I don't want to hear the revival. I don't want to hear your presentation. I don't want to hear you've been around for 3,600 years. I like to see your actions, you know, and I'm speaking to myself on that too. I'm not just talking to people out there, but I'd like to see more actions of people helping people that are in need and, you know, and, and, and smiling at people, talking to the homeless, you know, they're out there everywhere. Right. I saw, I saw a story tonight on Fox was actually at noon where they were talking about the homeless situation in California now is unreal. They have got so much sicknesses and, and viruses that have been gone. They've got humongous rats they can't get rid of because of this. And then the next story after that is that lady congressman or Cortez or whatever her name is, is down there crying about the conditions down on the border. And don't, I'm not minimizing that, but they had a pastor, a Mexican pastor go in right behind her he said it's all a lie. Well, whether it's a lie or not, I think everybody should be treated with humanity. But yet you're down there at the border looking to these people who came over illegal, which I think they should be treated humanly. Don't get me wrong. But yet you're the people that are living in California who are probably veterans and, 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 and just homeless people. We, don't, we, just, we just don't look at them. We don't care. Where's the outrage for this? Where's the outrage right. for the people living in the streets and stuff like that? I don't see it. And I'll tell you this um, little short side story here. Uh, Several years ago, when all the really bad tornadoes came through Oklahoma and Missouri and around Joplin and everything. Yeah, I remember that. um, I had somebody come to me with a church that's local, and they asked me for a pretty large donation for a mission trip to Haiti. No. And I told him, I said, no, I'm not going to give you the money to go to Haiti because no matter what you do in Haiti, they don't care. Nope. Okay, they don't. Nope. They have no interest in converting. They have no interest in building anything sustainable. Nope. I told them, though, I said, I'll be more than happy to give you the donation if you go out to Missouri and help the people there. Right. And he wouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, it was, and he, he went on, he raised the money and went to uh, Haiti. Right. But, you know, you have to, as Christians, we, we or as Jews or whatever, Muslims, uh, Buddhists, any religion, the right. true followers help everybody that they can. Right. But the first thing that they do is they take care of the people at their home. That's what the, I think that's what scripture teaches. And I don't understand how these churches of all faiths and denominations can, you know, they peg hole their missionary work to foreign lands. Right. Your, your mission work isn't a vacation. No. Okay. Um, you know, you can't build a school somewhere that doesn't want a school. Right. You can't plant crops somewhere that people don't want to grow crops. Right. And, um, you know, why, why are we helping, you know, locals like with Cortez, uh, Cortez, whatever her name is. Right. Why isn't she worried about the homeless? Why isn't why she are worried? We worried about all the kids that are getting killed in Chicago at bus stops? Right. You know, let's stop that. Right. So, um, 
I don't know, you know, and the people at the border, the whole thing, you know, she put out there about they were drinking out of toilets and things like that. Right. And I can say I've worked in a correctional facility before. Right. And the water fountain and sink is on top of the toilet. Right. And that's what border security says their same system is. It's the same as everywhere else. It's that same toilet system everybody has. Right. And uh, I think it was very reckless on her part to try to claim that. Yes. Um, Because she knew in context, unless if she was just a complete idiot. Right. She understood that, hey, this is a, you know, self-contained unit. Right. So... You know, I think that we're a better nation that, you know, no matter where these people come from, I know for a fact that we're a better nation. Oh, yes. And that we treat, we treat immigrants legally or illegally better than any country does that I know of. Um, Mexico has much stricter laws. Oh, yes. Uh, terrible conditions. I had a yes. friend that was arrested there while visiting and spent time in uh, Mexican jail. Right. For the immigration violation. Right. And uh, it was horrible. Nobody, nobody protested for them, did they? No, no. Um, the Mexican government actually there, what they do is they put a bounty on you and they post it online. Oh, my God. And you have to find a Texas attorney that works with the Mexican government and you uh, go through them to pay the bounty for your, the person you want to get out. Wow. And uh, that's what we had to do to get him out. Before we go, I want to t- touch on something you just brought up here. Um, you talked about I, my former br- uh, brother-in-law from my first marriage uh, got a, he had a radical conversion. He, he really did into Christianity and okay. he wanted to be a missionary and he did the same thing. He jumped down to Haiti. So he went down to Haiti and, uh, it made him sick because the first thing he did when he got off the plane, the missionaries came and got him and said, now look, we, we took him to his house and he noticed that their houses were behind fences and beautiful houses. And, you know, they were, they were, compared mansions compared to what the people in Haiti were living in people in Haiti right. were living on the streets and stuff. So, you know, he, that already gave him a bad taste because why aren't you out here with these people? And they said, Oh no, we got, we got protection. We have to come in behind the walls and stuff, you know? So, and then one time they were down there and they go in the little stores and they had this little candy and stuff like that for here. It would be like, probably here. It'd be like a uh, 25 cents a piece down there. It was like penny cause their money's not worth nothing. The missionaries were buying it for a penny, turning around, selling it on the streets for five cents, 10 cents to raise money for the missions. Now you're down there ministering to these people, but yet at the same time, you're pimping them with this candy to pay for your men. Man, don't even get me started with that. Don't even get me started with all that. But yeah, it's a scam. And what it is, 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 uh, unfortunately missionary has become a business. And that's why they're in Honduras, and that's why they're in uh, that's why they're in Haiti, and that's why they're in these places they've been trying to for hundreds of years. And like you said, the nations don't want it, but yet they'll take the help and the money. You know, they'll take the uh, relief pay, relief money and the food and stuff like that. The governments take it and they confiscate it and use it for themselves. So, unfortunately, not all missionaries are are bad. I'm not saying that at all. And if, right, but I am saying. Overall, when you look at a lot of these ministries within the big church denominations, it's a it's a scam to get jobs. You know, if you're a missionary, you've got a job within the church then. So they got to pay you. So this is all how it works. Unfortunately, it's how it is. Right. All right. Uh, we're we're 704 <laughs> now. We've gone 34 minutes here, over 30 minutes. Woo. I know we're kicking. 
We kicking. <laughs> we kicking. Well, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. But yeah, interesting. You know, we this is what we'll do is we'll this is how we talk at work. A lot cleaner, but it's how we talk at work. <laughs> And uh, we do clean it up for y'all and everything. And, and we don't, you know, like I said, we're not here to hurt, probe, push anybody. But we do bring up facts. We don't bring up news unless it's actually reported first. We won't bring up names unless it's, it's in the news because it's not our job to point people out. But it is our job to discuss and try to make people think outside the box, which is what Jay and I try to do. And we wish we could get more people to do that. But, uh, Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll get you know we're getting more and get used to this working with each other, and we're gonna come up with some different topics. And like I said, they won't all be religion, but right now that's the best ones because it's just so easy. <laughs> it's 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 so easy. So Jay, say goodbye to everybody. We'll see y'all later. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank y'all, and uh, pass it around if you like what you're hearing, which you know may be interested, maybe not. But uh, we will be getting better with more topics and everything, but we're just kind of breaking in, getting used to this. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you.